Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host Justin Baker and I in studio together. Not social distancing. Suck it. Uh, I mean, we're not like that close. But you, but could, are we, you could potentially spit across the table at me, land a perfect droplet in my mouth. And uh, yeah, we're like, we're not wearing masks or anything. Can you believe it? Wow. I know we're in danger. Uh, we are going to break down the four series that have already begun in the second round. Uh, we both have our predictions for the for the second round. We, we weren't able to uh, to get together before today. So a few games have been played, but uh, I'll stick with my original guess on, uh, on gonna all say, my series. I haven't changed yeah. anything. And actually the... The current outcome right now, which is one nothing Vegas, two nothing Dallas, one uh, nothing Islanders, and one nothing Boston, uh, it doesn't, it wouldn't change my prediction anyway. Like nothing, nothing is completely wrong now, even the amount of games. So it might change the amount of games for me, but I'm going to stick with the original picks that I had okay. just because I don't want to be. Yeah, that I guess guy. if you have Colorado in six and you're probably not picking that anymore, you might see seven go. games or something. <laughs> but um, okay, well. Before we jump into that, we have to cover the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Pittsburgh Penguins making yet another deal for Kasperi Kapanen. The second time in his career he is traded, and it is the second time in his career that he is a Pittsburgh Penguin. Uh, Kasperi Kapanen essentially, we'll say, was traded for uh, a first-round pick of Pittsburgh's, the 15th overall pick, and uh, that's... That's kind of the gist of it. Uh, Toronto also gets, you know, they they also get a a, a prospect in Philip Hallander, who you know is said to not super fast, great hockey IQ, could end up being someone that makes the roster down the road. Uh, not sure. Uh, Evan Rodriguez, we know he's fourth line guy at best. And David Warsawski is thirty years old and has played fifty five games in the NHL, so. He's an AHLer and uh, Pontus Aberg, Jesper Lindgren, Lindgren going the other way to Pittsburgh as well from the Leafs. Uh, both those guys, borderline NHL players at very, very best. Uh, Pontus Aberg played, played a little bit and he's he's got a little bit of speed to him, but that's that's about it. So it, mainly Casper uh, Kapanen for a first round pick, which uh, in my mind is a fantastic haul yeah, for a guy who's all right. a third line winger. With 36 points in 69 games, not you know, not bad. Like he's a 40 point guy, um, but he is, you know, expendable for the Leafs. They have when uh, Nick Robertson is able to come in and and play the way that he did in the playoffs. He looked pretty good. He'll get another off season to uh, to train with the team, and he'll easily probably slot in there and replace Casperi. Yeah, I. I love this trade from a Leafs perspective because, again, you got a guy who's at best a third line player for the Leafs, right? That's probably what his career would be given the depth in front of him. I don't, didn't really ever see him moving any further. Well, they, the they tried him up the depth. Right. They, they tried him up up at the top line didn't work. With, with Matthews, and he just looked lost. Right. And that's that's the thing for me. And for, on the flip side, you've got a guy named Jim Rutherford who drafted this guy in 2014, I think it was, 22nd overall. One of. Jim Rutherford's two only first round draft picks. Yes, uh, being with the Penguins. Yeah, and so obviously he's he's all about this core of Crosby, Malkin, Latang. Like, let's go out and win with these guys now. Um, Rutherford so, said, "Casperi is a good young player that brings speed to our lineup and plays the way we want to play. 
uh, which which with a lot of speed, that is true. He he will fit in that way. Uh, having previously drafted him, we know as a player uh, and feel he can improve our top six. And he just goes on to say that Aberg and Lindgren are both good young players. Yeah, my concern, though, is if you can't work out well with the top-line guys in Toronto, how's it going to work in Pittsburgh, right? Like, Yeah, and now I will say this, that Sidney Crosby is certainly a different player than Austin Matthews. Sure. Um they did. I don't really. I don't remember them giving Kapanen a whole lot of time with Tavares. It was more in there with Taver, uh, with uh, with Matthews. So I, I'd say he's probably like Crosby and Tavares are definitely more similar than than Crosby and Matthews. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I again, I mean, nobody fits super well with Malkin outside of Brian Rust. That's like the <laughs> only guy I can think of that was like, oh, we find it found a guy for Malkin, Brian Rust. Yeah, Phil Kessel really been all right, but. I yeah, mean, Phil Kessel gone. did fine, yeah. and they they had to ditch him. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he can. I mean, if, yeah, hey, if he goes in and he plays well alongside Sidney Crosby, then he's a steal because it's hard to find a guy who can play alongside Sidney Crosby. Uh, but he's got a lot of speed. He's definitely an energy guy. Ultimately, though, I I still I don't know if a team with Casperi Kapanen in their like playing on their top line is a very good team. <laughs> what else do you like? You, you might struggle. Yeah. Jim Rutherford's banking on this guy exploding his potential. Just, I mean, 20 know. goals two years ago and, and what 13 this, this last year in 69 games. So yeah, I could, he maybe pot an extra five and, and be a 25 <laughs> goal scorer playing alongside Crosby all year. Sure. Sure. I think a lot of guys are 20 goal scorers playing along with Crosby, right? <laughs> or Malkin, whichever whichever one. Uh, but you have to think from a Penguins perspective, they need to win now. They have no choice. Crosby, Malkin have maybe another year or two where they're, they're both dominant. And it was clear that there just wasn't enough around them this year. And so it's, it's a good move in that sense because what's a first-round pick going to do for you? At 15th overall, he's probably not going to, whoever that ends up being, not going to be a forefront in the league for another three years in generally, give or take a, a year. But uh, this allows the Penguins some some help now. I just wonder, what who else could you have traded that first round pick for? That was my question, yeah. Like who, I mean, you know, I there's not a lot of guys out there that, you know, I guess you could find other players that are like 40, 50 point players that you could easily go to other teams and be like, listen, we'll give you a first round and a 15th now, overall first now, round pick. Now with a $3.2 million cap hit for two years, that that is sure. another consideration. Yes, you could go and probably get a, a 45 point guy for a first round pick. Uh, much like, you know, maybe like a Michael Granlin was, was got for, was it a first round pick or was that a couple second round? It was a first round. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you have to consider he's also getting paid five and a half million. So can you find a guy who's a potential 50 point guy? I'd, I'd say Kapanen's a potential 50 point if he's playing in the top six the whole year. Uh, but you need to be able to get somebody in the, in your cap space hit. So yeah, maybe you go to Anaheim, you know, a team that's rebuilding and you say, Hey, uh, Ricard Raquel, a nice 50 point player. He's got a couple more years at 3.7 and yeah, or yeah. 3.8 and you say, "Hey, I, I think he probably costs more than a first. Maybe. Probably. He's more proven for sure. Def- yeah, but definitely. I would rather and a center. Yeah. Can play center. Can play. But I would rather go after maybe a guy like that who's got a little bit more proven track record behind him to produce. In in my opinion anyways, I'd rather just give up that first round and a little bit more. Yeah. Uh anyways, I mean, I think 
people are really ragging on Pittsburgh, saying that like, oh, the Leafs got a big haul for Casper Kapanen, and Kapanen isn't that great. I mean, it it ultimately is a middle of the road first round pick for a guy with a great contract who is. I mean, if you think about three point two million, you ba- you basically pay a hundred thousand dollars for every point. That's and and even more so. I mean, it's not like uh, I guess Connor McDavid. He's at about. He's he's pretty close to 120 close points to when him, he's yeah. when he's healthy, <laughs> and uh, and you kind of drop down from there. So I, I mean I think if you're you're getting really good value if you are better than or less than a hundred thousand a point, you know if that kind of puts it into perspective. Okay, you know a hundred thousand a point. He's he's above that, and so it's it's maybe not a not a bad buy in that sense. He at least uh, and he can kill penalties too. Yeah, so. and I'm I mean I'm not saying that. Pittsburgh got taken on this trade because I think this is one of those you have to wait and let it marinate for those couple years of his contract and see how it plays out and see if, you know, ultimately if they do win another Stanley Cup, then you're like, oh my gosh, Jim Rutherford's a genius. Yeah. You know, if this 15 uh, sure. turns out to be garbage, you know, a player that never translate to an NHL hey, player. Hey, let's, then... let's hope not. Right. <laughs> um, as, of, as of now, I did a little bit of a trade tree. Oh. I went back. Because all this started when the Leafs decided that they were going to trade their uh, two first-round picks for Philly Kessel, right? And uh, Kessel gets dealt along. Uh, in return, the Leafs get Kasperi Kapanen and uh, and a first-round pick and a third-round pick and a, a couple other inconsequential players. Mm-hmm. I'm only going to talk about the consequential players. I'm going to just leave out, you know, everyone else. Leave out um, the crumbs. Uh, Anaheim did draft Sam Steele with the first round pick that the Leafs gave them for uh, for Frederick Anderson. Okay. Um, so you can include him on this list because you know they eventually so okay so we're talking Tyler Sagan, Dougie Hamilton Phil Kessel now Kasperi Kapanen Maxine Comtois who was uh, the Anaheim took with their the third round pick they got from the Leafs for Frederick Anderson and Sam Steele for Frederick Anderson and Pittsburgh's first overall pick in this year's draft at 15th overall. Wow. <laughs> so you got a, a, a pretty good goalie, a, definitely like a top 15 goalie in the Absolutely. league. Absolutely. Top 15 goalie and a first round pick for Tyler Sagan, Dougie Hamilton, Phil Kessel, Kasperi Kapanen, Maxime Comtois, and Sam Steele. <laughs> And that that was my that was my like hey I'm gonna spend five minutes and and track this down, my so goodness. who knows what else I could find if I really dug. I was gonna say go watch Steve Dangle and uh, see his uh, trade yeah, trees. Yeah, like my trade trees. Eric Lindros basically. Well, funded. some of the yeah when you have a long time to go back into those those trade right. trees, you know, twenty years. Uh, that's yeah. When you have a whole guy's career, it's pretty pretty incredible sometimes. Um, okay, the Penguins they also are expected to trade one of their goaltenders, which. I think you actually mentioned that. Yeah, I think before Rutherford said before, it, before you're like they're going to trade one of these guys. Yeah. I you 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 cannot hold on to two RFAs like that, guys. That one you got on one hand, one guy who is you know putting up way better numbers than the other guy who won two Stanley Cups. So you've got options, right? You've got a guy who's got the pedigree, but maybe didn't have such a good season and more of a down year. But then you've got this other younger guy who had a phenomenal year and looked pretty good in the playoffs too. So. Who do you go with? Uh, yeah, I mean, your chances are you're going to get more for Jari. I don't know. That's or may, maybe a pretty actually. similar amount. Yeah, that's it, really debatable because Jari 
doesn't have the... He's more fresh in right. terms of like, all right, he's played well more recently. Right. Uh, Murray's had some injury problems. Yes, he won the cup, but he also won the cup th- now almost four years ago. It's hard to believe that it was most, it really almost four years ago. And there are a lot of teams. The NHL more... Like, I always look at the NFL, and the NFL is a lot more about, look what you've done for me lately type sure. league. Whereas trading in the NHL is more or less, I see a lot of guys that, oh, well, he used to be this, and I think we can get him back to that kind of form. Especially a goalie. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, goalies can have swan songs and all the time. And he's only, what, 24 or yeah. 23? As young as he still is. So and he's an RFA. So, again, I think a lot of teams will have that leverage of him being an RFA, but so will Pittsburgh because they can say, well, we want more because yeah. you're definitely going to get him under contract again. So I, I'm, And to me, it'll depend on like what can they get for each guy. If whoever they can get the better player for, I think that's who they'll they'll deal. Yeah, because I, I would feel com- if I'm Pittsburgh, in the, in the grand scheme of things, is there a big difference between the two goalies? Probably not. It's probably more so the system in front of them, anyways. So if you the better player that you can get, preferably in my mind, if you can get a good defenseman, uh, then you make that deal all day. Yeah, I absolutely agree, and I think that's what Pittsburgh's probably best suited to go look for as a defenseman. And so, one of the teams I look at is uh, the Calgary Flames, right? Mm, I think the Flames got a lot of potentially guys. I mean, potential guys that they could deal, like a Noah Hannafin. Maybe Um, they've got some UFAs, but or Carolina, even yeah, or Carolina, a team that's. I don't. I don't know if they're necessarily want to disappointed trade within their division. Though. Right, that makes it a little harder trading within the division. But when you look westward, I think a team maybe like Edmonton or um, you know Calgary teams that you know maybe could give you a piece that you might be okay with. I think if you know if you're looking Calgary's way and you say okay, Noah Hannafin, um, you know we'll we'll take him off your hands. You can take this goaltender, but we'll yeah, maybe sure throw something would, else. There's in, no but, way in hell they're going to give up Noah Hannafin well, no, for but, a goalie. But I yeah, I mean. Calgary also has a lot of cap space, so they're. Uh, I think right they have sixteen million over sixteen million next year, and you know they just have to re-sign Mangiapan and Jankowski, right? So, which won't be horribly expensive, but they're going to need to go find some defensemen themselves. So uh, that's also you know are they going to be willing to trade Hannafin when they don't have to re-sign Brody Hamannick, Forbort, <laughs> Gustafson? Sure. You know they they have that too, but um. One more Pittsburgh goaltender on a previous, previous Pittsburgh goaltender. Uh, I'm sure that you saw the tweet from Marc-Andre Fleury's agent uh, with a this nice sword through his back. It's playing goalie and uh, Man, I just... He wouldn't say whether or not he agreed with it. And, and of course, he eventually, the agent took it down. But my goodness... There's no way he didn't know about it. And I... I mean, he might have not... The agent might not have said... Ah, yeah, you're right. The agent was like, dude, I'm going to post this. Like, feel free to just pretend you'd know nothing about it. Yeah. I think they knew what they were doing. Because I think at this point, they're trying to set a precedent that says, hey, if you're planning on, you know, Robin Leonard being your starter moving forward, then I want out. Like... I don't yeah, want to be here. I mean, well, I mean which is fine, but yeah. you don't have a choice. <laughs> well, that's the other <laughs> thing too. Like <laughs> Robin Leonard's a UFA at the end of the year, so the only way he's not going to be back is if he gets dealt. So, I mean, yeah, are you saying, "Hey, I want to be dealt if I'm not going to be the starting goalie?" Sure. It might have made more sense to wait a minute before you did that. That's the weirdest part. It is. And then timing. and then Robin Leonard goes out and pitches a shutout. <laughs> right. Like, sorry. 
That's a giant yeah. fu. Like, no, this is my net. I'm not, like, yeah. I mean, they're not going to go flurry next game. It's no. just not going to happen. I do think though, because flurry is he's known as such a nice guy, such a team guy. I think they'll just pro- a lot of the the team inside the locker room is probably just going to laugh it off, kind of make fun of him, you know, rag him for a little bit about it, and then he's going to be like, oh, what do you want to do? Like, he posted it, like, oh well, and then they're just going to move on. The team will yeah, anyway. The team will move on. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether or not management moves on is a whole other story, but. I mean, yeah. Is it kind of like? Is it kind of crappy? Sure, but hey, if you played better, you wouldn't be in this situation. So it is. Well, your, the thing. It's your own fault. Yeah, it's it, it is it's absolutely a double edged sword because yeah, on one hand you kind of resurrected and helped bring this city to the prominence it is, but at the same time, like you've been, like you said, it's a city bad. that fired their head coach two years after taking a brand new team to the Stanley Cup Finals because. You were in ninth place. It's not like they were in last. They just were having a bad 25-game stretch, and they fired their coach. Yeah, and like, that's the other thing, too. A brand-new coach in here, Peter DeBoer's. And well, Peter he, DeBoer is just known for benching guys. Well, yeah, he will. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, he's not married to Mark andre like that you is know, true. Yeah, yeah, Gerard right. Gallant was. So, point. you know, you like, what does he care? He can go in and play whoever he wants. Like, I want to play the guy who's playing better. And, I mean, let's face it, Leonard's playing better. Yeah, I mean, and Leonard's probably the better goalie. I mean, Mark Andre Fleury is almost thirty-seven years yeah, old, at this thirty-six point. years old, and yeah. and Leonard is in the prime of his career. Here you go. I mean, and if you got management saying like, "Listen, we want this guy to be the future net after Fleury," then of course, like Peter, yeah, if you're going to sign him, yeah, they might be playing him for that aspect. But I mean, again, who knows? That'll be fascinating to see if can Vegas. I mean. They only have six point three million in cap space, but you move with that Flurry seven. on another two years at seven million. Who wants Mark Andre Flurry for seven million a year? I think somebody would take him at five for he, sure. He can submit a ten-team no-trade list, so there's twenty teams, twenty-one teams that he could be dealt to. Uh, I guess there's twenty, twenty, twenty. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, if they ate two of those million, but. If Leonard comes in here and does really well, which he already is, uh, he's going to probably want... The same amount of money. Six. At least six. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and he can sign he can sign a, a nice long, like, six times six. six, or, six yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially with the cap being what it is and, and being stagnant, I think six million is probably... And he's probably sick of one-year deals. Bet. Maybe five straight, or six years. So, yeah. yeah. He'll take a pay cut to get a long-term contract, I'm sure. Yeah, well, speaking of, uh, we might as well just jump right into that series, the Canucks and the the Golden Knights. First game, of course, the Golden Knights kind of put it to the Canucks and uh, win five nothing after uh, an unexpected Vancouver win over the St. Louis Blues. Gotta pat myself on the shoulder because I called that one. <laughs> one of the very few wow. that I called, um, <laughs> and. Uh, I, I actually did pick the Chicago Blackhawks over the Vegas Golden Knights to win in six games. You did. So that was my, like, I'm just going to be ballsy so that if I'm right, I can be like, what up? Right. <laughs> and if I'm wrong, it I can do exactly what I'm doing right now and just say, I mean, obviously I was, you know, just going out on a limb a little bit. But anyways, so the Golden Knights destroy the Canucks in game one. Game two is actually later tonight. Uh, so it may have already happened, but. I want to get your prediction on the series and uh, just any thoughts that you may have on it. Yeah, I think this is, I mean, at least after watching the first game, it's clear to me that Vegas is obviously 
you know, the more experienced, the more dominant team. They went out and played big boy hockey, and we were pushing Vancouver around, right? Oh, my gosh. The things that the bench were saying to I, did you hear the Did you hear the audio of Ryan Reeves just doing the chicken call at Antoine Roussel? Yes. That was just... Dude, why did Roussel get a 10-minute misconduct for he was hugging. a hug? Yeah, because the COVID, that's they're throwing that in there now because they oh, don't the, want guys getting. Oh, that's actually a yeah, thing. Yeah, they don't want guys getting up in each other's faces. Oh, and I saw people posting that and I thought it was a joke. <laughs> no, I think that's a real thing. I yeah. thought like maybe he he said something to him that was I don't know. Uh, oh, okay, so he actually got a ten game misconduct because he violated social distancing. Yeah, got the ten minutes for that. So, um, Justin, I'm afraid I'm going to have to give you a ten minute misconduct. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, let's. Let's be honest here. I mean, I I expected Vancouver to push in that first round. I wasn't fully expecting them to win. Um, but, again, I, good on them. You know, they, they have some really good young players, but I think now you're, you're starting to see that, you know, some of these younger guys, when they go up against a team that has a lot more offensive weapons than, you know, maybe St. Louis does, because St. Louis wants to grind. Well, right? and St. Louis's goaltending just was not very Absolutely. good. Absolutely. And that's the thing. And you're going to – and now they've got – They've got to go up against good goaltending. They've got to go up against, a, in my opinion, a team that has three lines. They can roll much like St. Louis, but they've got scores on each line. And so when you've got Stone and Pacioretty just working at the top of their game, I mean, you know, had St. Louis maybe had Tarasenko, we could preach another story. But, again, this is just a lot of offense and a lot of, you know, firepower and speed that Vancouver has to try to figure out. And I'm not sure they have really the personnel to do it, and they really haven't figured out how to how to really, you know, grind in the playoffs yet. So this is a great learning experience, and I think this is going to be a great series for them as a team developing long term. But ultimately, I think Vegas is just—I mean, all these guys basically have been to the Stanley Cup Finals, so they know the grind to right. go through this. Right. Um, so it'll be interesting for for Vegas too. I mean, I think you know, outside of Pacioretty and Mark Stone, like we talked about, you know, the rest of the team's been there; they've done it. Uh, you know, Robin Lanner looks phenomenal again. I, I love this guy, and he's one of my favorite goaltenders. I think I put him in my top five. I can't remember yeah, off the top I of my head. So. But. I will say that, uh, I mean, you're not going to shut this Vancouver team out for long. They're, they're, they're going to win some games. Uh, I, I would still pick the Golden Knights to win this series, but I think that Vancouver is going to have the ability to push it to – Six. So I, think they, okay. I think they win a couple. They'll make it interesting. But Vegas is just too strong. I think that that series against St. Louis wore Vancouver down more than uh, more than maybe they would like to admit it. Sure. And Pedersen is just going to get honed in on here. I, I think Vegas just has... A, there's, there's a different hunger from this team. I think they see we could win this. Like, all we're going to have to do is beat Dallas or Colorado... And, you know, the the team that we're going to have to play on the other side, we have a, on, in the Eastern Conference, we've got a good chance of winning. Like this, this is probably Vegas's year right here. If yeah. they can make it, if they can make a push and, and get through, they've got a great chance of winning the cup. Yeah. And another reason too, I mean, Vancouver made it past, you know, St. Louis was they also got phenomenal goaltending. Sure. Markstrom was amazing. Now, can he sustain that and keep being amazing? I, I think he'll, he might steal a game or two, you know. But ultimately, I, I think there's just too much firepower. Yeah, he's got to be better for sure. Yeah, got to be. Maybe better. Thatcher Demko, <laughs> no, come way. in. He made five out of five saves. <laughs> See no one could score on Thatcher. Just saying. 
All right, so you're you're picking Golden Knights in how many games? I'm going five games. Five games, okay. And I've got Golden Knights in, in six. Uh, Colorado and Dallas. If you picked Colorado to sweep this series, you were horrifyingly wrong. Dallas is already up 2-0. Uh, and, and two pretty decisive wins, uh, especially game two, down 2 nothing, scoring five straight, including one in the empty net. But four goals in the second period for the Dallas Stars. And uh, they just kind of swept that first period under the rug and they gave up 20 shots and then they kind of got back to their own game and and started to womp on the avalanche and does any of this have to do with the fact that they've had some the grubauer is hurt and is gone you know five goals in two in both games you know yeah i i don't know so much if it has to do with grubauer not being in that um as much as it has to do with dallas just rolling and they're playing like so after that first round series, I kind of took another look at Dallas before, like I made my prediction. Uh, Dallas, they were known for stifling you offensively. They played a just a hard nosed defensive game. They played this very systematic defensive yeah. game that made it hard for you to score, and that's why Dallas was where they were in the standings because they were winning games two to one. They weren't known for scoring, but now they seem to be playing this opposite, like let's go hard, skate fast, let's go play with Colorado, right? <laughs> kind of game. And not only that, but now they're getting depth scoring, which is what they didn't have in the regular season, right? They're doing it without guys like Sagan and Ben. And now you're looking at these two games that Dallas is up on Colorado. They were getting contributions from Ben and Sagan. Ben looked well, engaged. And, like, Radulov, Ben, and Sagan are all averaging, like, I mean, Sagan's at 14-14. Jamie Ben 13-36. Radulov 13-22 through the first two games. And that's the thing. They're not playing. Right. That's the thing. They're You've playing got, like third line minutes. Yeah, Gorionov, Pavelski, these guys are scoring for Dallas where in the regular season they weren't really doing it. And so they don't have to go and ride Ben and Sagan for 20 minutes a night. Now yeah, you can I mean, rely Pavelski's on Pavelski's play, played 17-35 average through the first couple yeah. of games. Like, looking good on the power play, looking good on the penalty kill. And that's the thing, too. I watched in that second game, Colorado, five on three. They had eight power plays. They couldn't get it done. I mean, yes, they did score you know, on the power right, play, right. but they had opportunities, and they just, outside of that first period in game number two, they just looked to be kind of shut down, and they looked to just go back and forth with Dallas. And I think, you know, the way Dallas is playing depth-wise, where Colorado, they're just, right now Colorado is all McKinnon and Rantanen. They're yeah. not getting anything else from anybody. So if they want any chance in the series, Kadri's got to come back and yeah, score. Yeah, because Kadri was know? so good in that series yes. against Arizona, and uh, through two games, he's got he's got his one assist. Uh they need more. Granted, yeah, and it's it's if four shots through two games, whereas in one of those games against Arizona, I think Kadri had ten or eleven shots the whole right. game. Like, and the the biggest the biggest handicap for me for Colorado right now is losing Eric Johnson. Um, yeah. He is a difference maker because I I look at Colorado's defense and I see McCarr, Gerard, all these guys that are just fast, offensive minded guys. You don't have that stalwart back there on D to say, okay, this guy's the rock. He can partner with whomever, you know, uh, Kale McCarr, and McCarr can go do his thing. But we know we've got Johnson back here to hold the fort down, and we don't have to worry. They don't have that now. Yeah. What's happening to Mesnikov, man? <laughs> he's he's down eight minutes a game is what he's getting. Yeah. Barely, or just, yeah, just under nine. He, uh, it's, it's weird. And then, I mean, even Nachushkin's getting more minutes than him. <laughs> Ooh. Nachushkin, still, uh, maybe he'll get his revenge against Dallas for – for cutting them, but yeah, there's just Colorado just not getting anything outside of uh, that top unit. Really, I mean, outside of those top three guys, 
you've got four assists. Wow. <laughs> That's three, uh, three even strength assists from the rest of the team. <laughs> so not even, not even goals. I mean, yeah, you only have three goals total so far in the series, but, um, yeah. So what are your thoughts on this series? What's your prediction? So my original prediction was Colorado and I'm sticking with that because they are, they are my, you know, the team I chose originally before the series started. However, I think given what Dallas has done, it kind of changes my mindset. I thought I originally thought Colorado would sweep. That was my mindset. Wow. Okay. I was picking not necessarily because I thought they were that much. That was better a joke when I said that in the beginning. Yeah, but that's fine. Not because I thought they were that much better than Dallas, but just because I, I always look for just one like upset, one weird series that sweeps where you're like, man, nobody. I wouldn't have picked that at all, uh, especially the way Dallas was playing the first round. So I thought, okay, that would just be fun to throw that in there. But uh, now that they're down two to nothing, I can't say that anymore. So I'm going seven games for this series. Okay, it's weird because I have Dallas sweeping. So no, I, I don't actually. <laughs> um, no, I don't have Dallas winning this series, uh, but they they do look look pretty decent. Um, I I want Colorado to win because I want to see Colorado Vegas. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and I think I think they still have a good shot. Uh, it's going to be a lot harder. You're right without Eric Johnson. Even without Grubauer, I, I think he's the better goal goaltender. Ultimately, you know, if we're, we're going through a seven game series, I want him over Francoeur. But uh, yeah, I, I'll still say Colorado. I'm going to say in seven because I picked them to begin with. Even though now I want to say Dallas in right. six. And I will say too, I I think this one will definitely go seven because first round we didn't have a single seven game yeah, series. Yeah, it's crazy. So we're going to get one now. After after the insane overtime game that we get to right. start the, the first round, so tight and close, you think, oh, we're definitely getting some seven gamers. And uh, I mean, we really, between, there was what, eight series in the first preliminary round and then eight series in the first round. Out of those 16, we've had one series go the distance. Yep. Okay, uh, on to the Eastern Conference, the Islanders and the Flyers. Uh, the Flyers dropping the donut in game one, losing 4 nothing. It is the first time in Islanders history that a goaltender has back-to-back shutouts in the playoffs. Uh, doing it up, the New York Islanders. Yeah, Varlamov looks pretty good. He does. My, uh, <clears throat> yeah, go no, ahead. I was going to say my big concern uh, you know, I, I felt bad for Carter Hart because, you know, at what point can you let this guy get shelled the way he got shelled in game one? The Islanders looked like a machine they were rolling through. Um, Carter Hart did everything he could, and I think, again, this might be too much for him. At some point, you might want to consider putting Brian Elliott in just to no. give him a little relief. But You're not going to put Brian Elliott I don't know. In. I just... Not unless you want to lose that game. Listen, I, I will say Brian Elliott is the league leader in goals against average in the playoffs, so suck it. Because <laughs> he came in for a minute, right. one game. In. Uh, oh, in the exhibition, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the other, I mean, the other concern for me, if I'm a Flyers fan, is Claude Giroux hasn't scored a goal yet, playing third line left wing minutes. This is guy is supposed to be elite, and now I know <clears throat> we we saw in round one, Philadelphia got stifled by. Um, a Claude Julian team that basically learned how to take your weaknesses and shove it back in your face. And by playing a hard-nosed defensive system with speed, Philly wasn't really able to be as successful in the regular season as they were in that series. And so yeah. 
Um, obviously the hottest team in the regular season of the last 25 games coming in. They look pedestrian against Montreal, a team that I expected them easily to sweep sure, over. Sure. Um, you know, again, if you can't get guys like Claude Giroux contributing, guys like, you know, JVR sitting in the bench, yep, sitting in the press box. Um, it's, you know, it's crazy to me. Yeah. Is that guy going to come in and you're going to get something out of that $7 million man? Because they need to at this point. They need a spark. They need something. Voracek, Kevin Hayes. Kevin Hayes actually looked looked okay. He was probably the one guy who was uh, he was doing something. Uh, him and Konechny, you know, Konechny led the team in shots at least. You know, that's something. But Something. Yeah, they, they're going to have to do much better against this Islanders team. That, that will happily let you take shots from the outside and... They're they're just going to wait for their opportunities, and yes, the Flyers did outshoot the uh, they did outshoot the Islanders in Game One, but their high danger opportunities far exceeded uh, that of the the Flyers. So this series, I was actually I'm I'm leaning Islanders anyways is where I was leaning. Uh, I thought that this series would be quite close though because I think. The Flyers will answer back. I mean, they they have a lot of experience. They have that nice mix of veterans and and uh, young players. So I, I do think I think I'm going seven games in this. But Barry Trotz's experience in Game Sevens will ultimately be what puts them over the top. And frankly, I think that it was his coaching that won them Game One. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And um, for me, before before the series started, I had picked the Islanders, and I'm sticking with that. Um, however, I after that, and I want to stick with the same amount of games too, because after seeing Philly in that first round, I was not super impressed with what they did, and I was super impressed with what the Islanders were able to do in their yeah. first round. And so I'm picking a sweep. Wow. Okay, yeah. a sweep of the Flyers. That's a that's a gutsy call. Uh, okay, let's go to the last series: the Bruins and the Lightning. Bruins take a tight first game, one three two, and. Uh, I'm just I'm going to throw my prediction out here in the beginning because I have the Tampa Bay Lightning winning this in 7 games. I have three series going to 7 games in in my predictions and one going to 6 because I love long series. There you uh, go. But that game one I thought that Halak played fantastic. He played in my mind over his head. Vasilevsky uh had a softy and I mean, Victor Hedman's the one scoring both your goals for uh, for Tampa. I think that once the big boys get going for the Lightning, it's ultimately going to be too much for the Bruins, and the Bruins will begin to slow down here a little bit more. So, yeah, it's going to be uh, a tight series. It's going to go seven games, but I, I think that Tampa Tampa has the depth to sustain this through a seven game series. I think that. Well, Halak's a nice goaltender. Uh, I think this goaltending matchup will, in the end, be too much for the Bruins, too. Yeah, I I agree with you. I picked different story if there's Rask, but yeah, I picked uh, Tampa Bay to win this one too. I'm going in seven as well. Um, it'll be interesting with McDonough out for the next two games. They said, um, you know what they can. Obviously, they're going to ride Hedman a ton. He'll play 30 minutes, I'm sure, every single game that McDonough's out now. Um, but ultimately, I'm I'm more concerned up front. Like you know, is Tampa Bay's forward prowess going to overtake Boston's at some point? And I, I think that's ultimately what's going to happen. Is Tampa's going to get back in this because they they have too many good players up front versus when I look at Boston's forwards. And if you want to go line for line, I think ultimately 
you know, I think Tampa's got the depth to do it. And, you know, if they can get, you know, decent goaltending and they can get, you know, a couple other guys outside of Hedman to contribute on the back end, I think that Tampa's got a real good shot at this. Yeah, I'll say that my my prediction changes if Steven Stamkos doesn't return at all. Sure. Didn't play in game one, and I guess it was obvious. Uh, now, what's the word on him? I, I honestly haven't looked at the He's not available him, right now. He's rehabbing. When he's going to be available, I will let you know. There's no further updates. It's pointless to keep asking about it, says John Cooper. All right. So that was yesterday that he said that. So, I mean, he's not going to be available for game two. Doesn't sound like he's there for game three or four. Uh, somebody else is going to have to do this. I mean, this this is Kucherov's time. I mean, you don't want to be uh, you don't want to be the next summer off. You know, that's a that's a bad bad title to hold. <laughs> yeah, I I think ultimately you're going to need guys like Kaloran, Tyler Johnson to step up and take hold of this series for this team because if Stamkos is you know a little further off, a few games out, even if he doesn't show up in the series. Ultimately, they're going to need depth because yeah, Braden Point will be better too. Yeah, Point and Kucherov, I think, will find their game. They'll find their rhythm and and ultimately put up numbers for this team. Just just like Pasta and Bergeron. Can we will. get Blake Coleman scoring a goal or not? Mm. Doesn't like scoring apparently. Doesn't like um, yeah. So I, I think if Tampa wants a shot at this, they're going to need some production there from those guys. Yeah, and and can they start like we saw in that uh, in that series against Columbus? We saw Tampa's ability to match Columbus's size and and their grit. We need to see that here, game two and beyond from the Lightning, because I think if you can pour it on in the Bruins, uh, that will throw their game off. Yeah, absolutely. Because of their lack of depth, I think if you can put the hurt in on that top line if you can ever touch them (laughs) (laughs) and not that they're never gonna not you know no matter how angry you get brad marchand they'll never call anything on them right (laughs) but okay uh so you're picking lightning in seven as am i uh yeah we ultimately have the same four teams moving on yeah what the heck that's well we'll we'll live and die together here um there was one more thing that popped up in my head as we were as we were talking there, and uh, oh, the coach in Chicago, in uh, Washington, Todd Reardon fired, and I just I wanted to throw out because we were talking about Barry Trotz, and it's what made me think: how hard are they regretting not opening up the pocketbooks for Barry Trotz? Yeah, you know, I why didn't they pay this guy what <laughs> well, he deserved? See, like he goes to the Islanders and is embarrassing them with lesser talent. Well, yes, yeah, that's the thing. He's doing what he could have been doing in Washington with lesser talent. Obviously, I think he does have some younger pieces, some faster pieces, but he could have worked it in Washington because yeah, yeah. he's that good of a coach. But I I heard a lot of reports that there were, I don't want to say a lot, but I heard like half the locker room didn't really care much for him hmm. in Washington. And that played into the, the piece. Now, whether or not Ovi liked him or not, I think... Ovi and maybe Baxter maybe are like the two guys that I would say in that locker room. Like if they're cool with them, I mean, guys didn't like Scotty Bowman either. No, that's that's very true. But nobody I, I cared because yeah, he won all the time. Exactly. And I I think if if a guy like Ovi or Backstrom comes in and says, "No, we like this guy. We want him to stay," screw what all these other guys say. I think management would be stupid to be like, well, "Oh the, well, you know, uh, you know, Verona doesn't like him, so nope. Okay, bye." Yeah. Yeah. No, that would be stupid and foolish. And I I ultimately do think it it mostly came down to well, money. Brian McClellan too, and him didn't really get along. So that's sure that's the other side of it. Um, and Lou Lamarillo 
obviously spotted the coach. <laughs> I mean, think who who are the last two people that Lou Lamarillo has hired? Mike Babcock and Barry Trotz. Guys like, that don't like their coaches. And and Todd Reardon, like everyone loved him. And look how it worked out. Right. Sometimes you just can't have that player's coach. You got to have him. Yeah. And look, I, I think Lou Lemoretto, and it's funny because everybody keeps ragging on the Islanders like they don't like it because they're bringing back that New Jersey style of, you know, defense where they're just shutting guys down. Yeah. And it, it cracks me up because I'm like, yeah, okay, we're trying to, a lot of NHL teams try to model who won, who that last cup winner was. Like, let's go fast. Let's score a lot of goals. But, oh, wait. Defense can still win. Like, oh, yeah. you can well, still Saint, play hard Saint and Louis shut was, it down. Louis was a great mixture yeah. of that, I think. So, yeah, I think out of any team that's won the cup in the last, t- since Anaheim won it, I think that they remind me most of Anaheim with St. Louis. Like, just that, a team full of skill, but could grind it out and could yeah, play Corey all Perry these different ways was, of hockey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you had, get, you had Getzloff as a young guy and, um, Niedermeyer, Pronger. That was Niedermeyer, Pronger. That shut you down. That was it right there. All right. Well, that is our show. You can uh, let us know who you think is going to win in the second round. You can tweet at us at OT Hockey Talk. And uh, until the next time, our next show will probably be somewhere towards the end of the second round. And uh, it sounds like teams are going to keep on dealing while these other teams are playing, which is nice. I feel like that doesn't really happen normally in the playoffs. No, so uh, we'll, we'll see what else what else uh, happens behind the scenes here. Teams obviously feeling the crunch, knowing that you know this off season is going to be strange, and so the quicker you can get some of this stuff done, the better. And uh, we'll we'll follow everything that's happening. Any last words, Justin? Before we sign off, yeah, I love. I'm hoping for more big trades while the playoffs are going on because it just gives me something more. To, to just watch for, right? Because obviously we know as soon as the playoffs are with, like the the offseason stuff's going to start. The draft, right. free agency, like it's going to happen quick. It's going to so, be on steroids. Yeah, get get the pieces you want now and get it done. So I'm, I'm hoping for a big trade here. I'm hoping maybe Arizona deals Taylor Hall's rights, which would oh, be fantastic. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see if people get deal UFA's rights. Right. Uh, that will be fascinating. All right, well, we'll uh, keep you posted as we go and analyze everything as it happens. Follow us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. We will talk to you guys soon.